It's the Lost Years Pod. Lost Years Pod. Running through this show called Boy Meets World is what we're doing. Sit and tell your friends who will always stand by you. It's the Lost Years Pod. Hello and welcome to the Lost Years, a retrospective fan cast. I'm Sid. I'm Tay. And welcome to season four, episode 14. This is exciting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You caught me off guard there. I was like, I don't know what to say to that, but you are right. I am right. I like this episode a lot. This is a good one. Mm -hmm. This hit me in the feels at the end. (laughs) It's really, um, it's so rare that we get familial conflict episodes. And Mm -hmm. I think that they're some of the best for a lot of reasons. I really, really like the way that they did this one. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. What are you nostalgic for this week? I am nostalgic for competitive swimming. Okay. I feel maybe I've talked about this in the past, but I used to do competitive swimming when I turned seven up until the end of high school. And I did it every single summer. I switched teams just based on wherever we were moving to, but I was on a swim team every single summer and then two years in high school for high school swimming uh, before I dropped that and then did theater for the rest of my days. So that's neither here nor there. I'm talking about competitive (laughs) swimming. I don't know. It was something fun where you were on a team, but it was a very individual sport. Yeah. Because you're trying for your personal best and like actually learning how to do the strokes properly. And I was a very big breaststroker, which is like everybody can kind of do it, but it's really fun when you actually get in the rhythm of doing it well and like know the placement of everything. And I used to have like personal lessons and things like that. And that was only whenever I was trying to be good and on the a good finals team in the summer. But yeah, it's just something we would spend the entire summer mostly uh, having practices in the morning and then the swim meets like once a week or twice a week, depending on mm-hmm. uh, the schedule. And it was just really fun to hang out with my friends throughout the entire summer. And, you know, we would have like the swim meets whenever you'd have the swim meet then you would typically have the pasta party the night before where everybody was like carbo loading and that was a really fun thing um and then you'd have a dance party afterwards like they had a dj that would always be there and then they'd have like pasta and pizza and everything for kids after the meet and wow it was just a a very fun aspect of my summer that i did a lot uh again up and th- up until I was graduating. And then mm-hmm. when I went off to college, it was all over. And I could have come back because <laughs> I was young, but I didn't because I was like, no, that's that's in it's in the past. But it's in the past. I do It was a different me. <laughs> I didn't feel like getting up at, you know, seven every day on a uh throughout the summer when I was in college. So Yeah. Yeah. Very Delightful. niche thing. But very, very fun. Yeah, I never did like swim team. I took swim lessons all throughout like childhood and then we did it at summer camp as well. We would go to the pool like once um once a week, I want to say. Mm. We would go to the pool like one of the local pools before they closed it down. Um <laughs> and uh in order to so they the the pool that we always went to was like technically the worst pool because the other neighborhood pool had a water slide but this one had diving boards so in order Mm. for you to go off the diving board at 
um, in summer camp, like in order for you to be allowed, you had to take a swim test where you had to swim the length of the pool um, without like touching the ground basically or like standing. They need to be like, you need to be able to swim basically. And so um, I remember taking that uh, swimming test and passing it and being able to jump off the diving board and then being too terrified to like go off the high (laughs) dive because it was so tall. Um, yeah. I could do the low dive and do a little jump and, and a little dive. But uh, yeah, that's that's about as close as I ever got. <laughs> yeah, the first team that I was on was extremely competitive and they were the best in the league and it, they had very high standards for their swimmers. And then whenever I was in eighth grade, I think we switched clubs because <laughs> of where we moved. And that one, it was so just like friendly competition swimming and we had uh these things called buddies so i got paired with uh, a small child like a very kind of newbie swimmer and we would give them like signs the night before like we'd get we'd put like go nikki like give them all these things and then bring a little buddy bag that had a bunch of like little treats and goodies for them so they that was the more fun part of swimming whenever i switched the teams because like my first team was great it taught me a lot they were fun but it was definitely um, intimidating a lot of the time. And so whenever you get to the the fun place, the, the second place also had a high dive and everything as well. So they were like the more fun club that wasn't just yeah. a, a freaking pool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I spent so much of my time at the pool growing up that it's funny now to be like, I haven't seen a pool in years, but it's very fun. Yay. What are you nostalgic for? My driving instructor, Ron. Oh. <laughs> As you will soon find out, this episode's about uh, turning 16 and getting your license. And yeah. um, when I was 15 and learning to drive, there was uh, we had this uh, driving school in our neighborhood called Reds, I think. Okay. I think that was the name of it. Um, and there were various driving instructors that I had through there but my favorite one was this white guy named ron who was just like very good with kids in the sense that he and like i see this now right as an adult but like in the sense that he was just like very good at being both relaxed and also like because like you're putting children behind the wheel like that's probably the scariest thing you could be doing is like teaching kids how to drive yeah and um he was always so patient and so calm while also making the learning aspect of like being behind the wheel as a teenager fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And there were, there were two, I had two instructors. I can't remember the other guy's name literally at all because the, like the one time I had a class with him, he drove me, like he made me drive like all the way into the city, which I had never done. Like on the expressway, I was fucking terrified. And, (laughs) um, and then like, cause basically to drop off another kid who like lived there, cause they would pick us up at our homes. And oh. so that was like my practice was like me driving all the way to this neighborhood, um, like towards the city. And then there was a bu- there was like a street with a bunch of stop signs, which is like very common on side streets in the city. And I went down that street and then we dropped the kid off and then he drove us home. I think he drove me home. I can't remember. But I remember like after that one lesson with him, I was like, I never want to get in a car with that man again. I hated him. I hated him so much. He was so intense and it was just like not fun. And um, when I rode with Ron, I had to like, stop my like hours behind the wheel because I broke my ankle oh. <laughs> and so that I couldn't drive for a little while and then when I went back like Ron remembered me and he was so sweet and such a like good instructor and um I'll, I'll always remember him and the way that he taught us as kids there was like a running gag that he didn't it wasn't like anything but basically just like telling us to shut up um <laughs> but like he would get us to a- basically ask for it like he'd be like 
in the middle of a sentence and be like, oh, oh, and one more thing. And we'd be like, what? And he'd be like, shut up. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, and so then the bit became like trying to get him to like be told to shut up, which was um, always fun. And he never did it. You can never get him. He was too smart. He's smarter than all of us. <laughs> we were children. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. And um, if I still lived in that town and were planning on having kids, I would be like, is Ron still there? He's probably not. <laughs> He's probably long gone. But yeah. Mm. That's very fun. I'm always amazed at learning what other people's driver's ed experiences were. Oh, yeah. Because everybody's different. And it's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, I had like a, a couple different versions. Like I first was like learning to drive in a parking lot, right? Yeah. Um, and my my mom and my stepdad both sort of taught me, like had a hand in teaching me how to drive. But more often my stepdad because he was way more patient than my mom. Um mm-hmm. And so I would go driving with him a lot. Even when I was like 14, he would like take me driving on like smaller roads. For legal reasons, this is a joke. Um, (laughs) And and, uh, it was really fun to like learn how to drive with him. And then he also taught me on his car, which eventually became my car. So like I already knew how to drive it as I got older. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's various ways to be taught. My One of my like childhood friends never took like driver's ed or anything she just like turned 18 and then went and applied for her license because <laughs> it's just wild to me. She just waited. But I think specifically, like I took driver's ed. My parents signed me up through AAA, which they had a, a building uh, where I live. So I basically got to learn at their driving school. Yeah. And uh, there were like 10 of us, eight or 10 of us that were in the class. And we had to take two different classes. So there was like one summer and then like a couple months later, we came back for the second round. Mm-hmm. and. Like, I had my permit at one point with my parents whenever I turned 15, and so then yeah. I was able to drive with them and everything. But then when I turned 16, I just got my license and everything else happened. But the part that got me about your story was driving to people's houses because that was mm. the thing that we never did, that it was always just, like, to and from oh, the, the driving school. school. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's just funny that it's like, no, you just know where this other person lives. <laughs> Yeah, they would pick us up. They would pick us up. The driver instructor or like whoever was driving, like whatever teen was behind the wheel. And there would just be like four of us in the car Mm -hmm. um, and we would all like rotate out up to four of us, I should say. Yeah, Yeah. I also had like a driving school that I went to because I really wanted to get my license early because I I could have taken driver's ed at school. But Mm -hmm. I was on the older end of my class. So I would have had to wait like I turned 16 my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wouldn't have been able to take driver's ed until when I was basically already turning 16. I was like, "Ah, that's not fair. Like I want to turn 15 and be able to get my license or get my permit so that I can get my license when I'm actually 16. And so, um, I had to, (laughs) I like begged my mom to basically put me in a school and we had to pay for it. And that's like, whatever. But, um, then I broke my ankle and I ended up having to take driver's ed again anyway at school (laughs) because I was in the like time period where like there was too much of a space basically between when I took driver's ed and when I did my behind the wheel stuff that they were like you can't get your license yet technically it was like a whole thing um (laughs) and I broke my driving foot too so like I literally couldn't (laughs) there's no way for me to get around it but yeah it's just like it was the school that I went to was also great I remember there's like one question that I missed that I too that like because it was like very straightforward I was very good in my driving class and there was one question to this day that I missed that I will like literally always remember for whatever reason, my brain just like held on to this. And it was like, you're like approaching a curve and you take it too fast. Like, how do you get out of the curve? And one of the 
like response. I think the response that I picked was like slow down or something like that. And the actual response is accelerate gently to get out of the curve and then like go back to the speed limit. And I was like, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Forever, forever. I'm like, accelerate gently if you take a curve too fast. Yeah. So yeah, that's also, I was in driving class when I found out that Michael Jackson died. (laughs) See, I was at my summer swim meet. (laughs) Yeah, you you just remember those things. What are the odds? That's so coincidental. <laughs> it's like both of our nostalgia things. It was nuts because all of us were then just talking of like, did you hear? And I was mm-hmm. like, not even the biggest Michael Jackson fan at that point. Like, yeah. I didn't know everything about his life, but like, I knew his music. And so it was funny yeah. to be like, what? Like, everybody yeah, was just affected. Children. <laughs> we went home and turned on the news and we're like, it's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I did love that we always had to sign up for driving shifts um, with somebody else in the car mm-hmm. whenever we got to the point where it was behind the wheel and you had to have two people. So then it was just raising your hand and volunteering for uh, those specific times. And there was sure. one time where we went on the highway as well. And I remember being a passenger in the back and uh, we were getting onto the highway, just merging on. And the person behind the wheel, rather than like looking in their mirror and then like kind of like checking the blind spots, just fully turned around and mm. was looking. And the, the car started veering like to the right. Like, so whenever you're getting on the highway, you know how you're trying to like continue yeah, going left and then merge in. Yeah. They started going off of the road. And my teacher and me and the other person in the backseat were like, oh my God, <laughs> like, we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to die. die right now. <laughs> Because this This kid is accelerating and also going off the road. And my teacher had to correct it and be like, no, no, no. Like, remember, just just check it really quick. And then, like, grab the wheel and was pulling it back towards the road. But in that moment, I was like, I swear, if I'm going to die in driver's head. (laughs) I forgot, too, that driving, like, teaching cars have brakes on the passenger side, too, Mm -hmm. for the teacher. Which is so funny. How do they make cars like that? I don't get it. (laughs) I get, and it's funny now thinking about how many people can just not do driver's ed and then apply for a license because now it makes sense whenever I'm on the road and I'm like, why do they not know how to drive? For sure. It's because maybe they didn't take the class. They never learned. (laughs) Let's do it. We've been talking about driving for like 15 minutes now. (laughs) So we might as well do it in the crux of the episode. Yay. Season four, episode 14. It's titled Wheels. The episode aired on January 17th, 1997, and it was directed by Jeff McCracken and written by Jeff Sherman. Hey, I really like that our episodes are airing on the actual days that they will be airing now. Is that the is that the case? Yeah, because it's seven days after the 10th, which is when the last one. So we've we've gotten to a rhythm. We can't stop. Wait, that's no more break. We literally can't take a break for the rest of the podcast. (laughs) Well, until they take a break. Until they take a break. But for now, we are the same as them and i love it the synopsis is Corey can't wait to break in his new driver's license by going on a road trip with his friends however his plans hit a speed bump when alan has a tough time letting his son grow up not his plans hitting a speed bump <laughs> that is so funny somebody was like i'm gonna be clever <laughs> how many words can i associate with driving today <laughs> puns can i do right here God, that's Do so you funny. get it? Okay. It's a driving episode. <laughs> 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 okay. 
day. The first scene, we are at Chubby's. The trio are in a booth talking about how tomorrow Corey turns 16 and can go apply for his driver's license. They're excited to take a road trip to celebrate, and Topanga's double-checking that Corey can get his dad's car tomorrow. Corey says, naturally, I'm 16. It's my right. He's probably filling up the tank for me right now. Sean is calling this a life landmark. This is the first Corey drives road trip. The point is, we are merely guests of the car, the wind, and destiny. Corey says, no, no. The point is, a license says we are adults with cars who can see R-rated movies. Topanga says that she's not going to see an R-rated movie with them. And Corey says, uh, Van Damme takes his shirt off. She replies, auga. Point of order, children can't go see R-rated movies. (laughs) I know. This was a a weird plot hole that I thought, that's still not the right age. (laughs) They sort of discuss it, but like the fact that like for them, they're like, we're 16 so we can go see an R-rated movie. Like, no, you can't. (laughs) You literally can't. I tried to find if there was a thing where you could be 16 and see an R-rated movie in the 90s and you couldn't. (laughs) Yeah. There are a couple instances where these kids reference uh, things that they can do now that they're an adult. And I'm like, no, (laughs) no. You're wrong on multiple accounts. So You simply can't. Um, she replies, Auga, he grins and continues. And that is only the beginning. The best part is we are seeing it in Atlantic City. Topanga asks why they go to Atlantic City when they can see it there. And Sean's like, because we can. And Corey adds, because we can go anywhere. Because tomorrow I got wheels. I am free. I am independent. Tomorrow I am a man. The punctuation on this sentence is a server coming over asking who gets the clown burger. Corey kind of shyly raises his hand. And when his friends give him a look, he says he collects the little hats. And that is the end of the scene. Uh, I knew that they were growing up. But as soon as he said, I'm turning 16, I thought, oh, my God, (laughs) (laughs) I was not uh, ready for them to be this old, even though like I knew that they were, again, growing up. But 16 really bookended it for me is, oh, no, they're old now. They are aging. What I was not like frustrated with, but the fact that they're like, do you think he's going to give you the car? And he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like kind of as his right. I'm like, "Um, yeah, how many cars does your family have? You don't just get the car because you're 16. (laughs) I don't know. It was it was just funny because I I remember that mentality. But at the same time, it's like they don't owe you anything. The (laughs) presumptuousness (laughs) of it really is like deeply insane to me because it doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't know what would make you like eric had his own car and it was like a a beat up junker but like he had his own car and that's how he drove and that was like a process for him to get though yeah he had to save money working at the grocery store to get that car and come to think of it i don't i don't think they ever like address Corey having his own car in the seasons (laughs) i'm thinking about it now i feel like i never hear about the cars being an issue ever again which is fascinating to me <laughs> um i might be wrong but i'm i'm just scanning the seasons in my head and i don't feel like they like this is the only time the car is ever an issue and like does he get his own car i don't know and i will never know hmm. i mean we'll know eventually we'll see like if, <laughs> we'll figure it say out anything, we'll figure it out but yeah it's it's just like deeply presumptuous of him to be like oh it's 16 it's my right he's probably filling up the car with gas for me because your, he knows your dad has other responsibilities in his day to day and he's not just going to up and give you the car. <laughs> he also needs the car. <laughs> it's very weird. It's very strange. What I don't get to the appeal of Atlantic City is the go to in many shows and movies. And I don't know why, because from what I've known about it, it's not that great. <laughs> I think it's just like East Coast Vegas, but like slightly worse. 
Yeah. Because it's New Jersey. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. It comes up so many times in media. Like, yeah. we're going to Atlantic City. And I'm like, why? Well, <laughs> it's all the people who are like on, like, it was a thing in Friends, I think, Atlantic City. Because well, they're in New York. It's in How I Met Your Mother, too. Like, I know it's yeah. in a bunch of East Coast things. But I, from everything that I've ever heard of, like, people who have been there, they're like, it's fine. Like It's fine. It's it's a coastal beach Vegas, but, like, the yeah. beaches aren't even that great. Because so. it's New Jersey. <laughs> you're in New Jersey when you're in Atlantic City. There are places in New Jersey that are really nice. Atlantic City's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing New Jersey slander when Az definitely listens to our podcast. <laughs> I've just, I've been to New Jersey. I know the places that suck, but like there are places that are beautiful there. And I was actually shocked the first time I went there. Yeah. I did also really love whenever she did buy, uh, bring the clown cake over, clown right? Burger, yeah. Whenever Or clown burger, whenever uh, ending out the scene after he says he wants to be an adult. Because in my mind, I'm also like, it's okay to still act like a kid. And I wish that I remembered or knew that whenever I had turned like adult yeah. age. But it's so funny to be like, no, being a kid is actually way better and you, feel- you should you should still hold on to the things that you love and hobbies from being a kid because oof. Just trying to let that go and being like, I'm an adult. It's such a boring life. <laughs> it really is. You feel so old too when you're 16. Yeah. Like you feel so powerful and old when you're 16, when you're 18, when you're 21. Like all of those really like monumental quote unquote ages, like you feel like you feel yeah like you guys know you get it you're all probably adults mostly and you just like know nothing (laughs) you know nothing about anything and you continue to know nothing for a really really long time and it's um it's just so wild to like be an I don't feel like an adult right now And I'm almost 30. I don't feel like an adult, even though I (laughs) technically am. And I just, it's so weird to think about like being a teenager and looking at people who are my age and be like, man, I want to be like them. Like they got their life together. Like they know what they're doing. Like we know nothing. Nobody knows anything. We're all just winging it all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a future note, but only because you brought it up. That, that was exactly my mentality. And it's because they constantly push it in society as like, 16 is your driver's license 18 is when you're an adult 21 like there's always these milestones that are so soon after you or like while you're in high school and then like right after high school that Mm -hmm. it's crazy like it just seems like that's it like that's yeah that's you being an adult now is because you've hit all these things and now your brain doesn't even stop developing until you're 25 and i remember my mom years ago (laughs) my mom would say that shit to me all the time and it made me so angry because i was like i know what i am and i you don't. You just don't. You don't know anything. Anyway, we're we're gonna talk about this a lot um, <laughs> because it's so like it's so woven into the just like the the crux of this episode. So mm-hmm. let me not just blow my load all in the first <laughs> scene. <laughs> we're we're in the Matthews kitchen. Alan comes in and Amy asks why he's not at the store. He says he had Eric open the store because it's Corey Day and he's got big plans. I'm gonna take him down to the DMV and watch him take his driver's test and off to Woody's Roadhouse for a big breakfast. Amy replies just like you did with Eric. He says, mm-hmm, and my dad did with me a Matthews men license day tradition. And I wash the car so it'll look good in the picture I'm gonna take after he passes his test. Amy asks if Corey knows about these plans and he says, no, Matthews men tradition. You don't have to tell him, it's in the jeans. We hear a car horn honk and Morgan pops into the kitchen with Corey's driving a car. Alan says without a license and they head into the living room. Corey comes in excited with Sean and Topanga and says he got his license, temp license anyway. He shows his parents and Amy says, honey, that's great. Alan, isn't that great? And Alan's like, 
yeah, that's that's great, Cor. Uh, happy birthday. Yeah, that's really great. He goes into the kitchen as the audience awes, and Corey says, uh, Mom, is it just me, or were they happier for me down at the DMV? Amy says, actually, Corey, your dad's a little let down. He kind of thought you might want to do this with him. Corey's surprised. He never said anything. We didn't have anything planned. Sean from the chair in the living room says, boy, I went with my dad. <laughs> we cut back into the kitchen. Corey comes in and says, dad, hey, sorry about this whole thing. I didn't know it was such a big deal to you because, you know, Topanga got her license and Sean got his and they wanted to be with me when I got mine. And I didn't want to disappoint him. Alan says, yeah, I got it. Corey's like, okay, so we're cool. And Alan's like, yeah, we're cool. Corey says, cool enough for you to give me the keys. Alan hesitates but says, why not? Got a couple errands to run. Wouldn't mind being chauffeured around for a change, huh? He hands the keys to Corey just as Sean and Topanga come in, asking about the road trip and if he's got the keys yet. Alan says, oh, oh, you met your friends. Okay. Corey goes, well, no, no, you could come too. And Sean's like, what? And Corey gives him a look so he finishes. Kind of road trip would it be without good old Mr. Matthews was what I was going to say. And now I'm done. <laughs> Alan, says, Alan says to Corey, tell you what, I do have a couple errands to run. Take me a couple hours. But when I come back, car's all yours. All right, buddy? Corey says, yeah, if you're all right, I'm all right. He hands the keys back to Alan, who heads out the back door. We get some contemplative, nervous reaction faces from the trio. Corey turns to Topanga and Sean and says, hey, I waited 16 years. I can wait a couple hours. Right? And that's the end of the scene. Alan's been so excited for this tradition. And no. it's a, it's very much a bummer. Uh, that Corey has just already done it, especially whenever uh, Sean says that he did it with his dad. And yeah. because it's like, yeah, the the other two kids have already gone through this experience. They didn't have anybody with them, like friend wise. It seems I don't know about Topanga, but I would just assume that she seems did it with like, her no. parents. Um, she doesn't do anything when we don't see her. <laughs> <laughs> she ceases she's to just exist around. when she's not on screen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I get that feeling being the youngest one most of the time throughout my friends growing up. Uh, I get that feeling of like wanting to just do it and like mm -hmm. be done with this experience. But I, I felt for Alan, uh, especially in this. However, trivia fact number one of this episode, <gasps> Alan says that he took Eric to the DMV. Uh, because it's the Matthews men tradition. In the mm -hmm. season one episode where Eric gets his license, he went with Jason to the DMV. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I so, forgot about that. And then he failed because his test. Because he failed his test. Yeah. Oh, my god. So uh, this episode was already set up in a way that did not follow continuity, but it's, yeah. I, I still appreciate it. <laughs> Maybe he took him the second time. <laughs> That was somebody somebody wrote that and was like maybe there was a second go around where then yeah. it was the tradition and then he got the license and I thought yeah okay that's a good uh canon answer yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah I Aaron Allen was just so happy and then just so sad and the fact yeah. that it felt like a right again for like Corey to get the car whenever they were in the kitchen and it was yeah. like hey drive me around and he's like um actually I'm gonna take the I'm car on you. a road yeah. trip and he's like, um, no, no, I'll just do my errands. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Alan, you take the car back. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, um, and we'll get to it, but there's a lot of really interesting, like nobody's really talking about their feelings in this moment. Like nobody's mm -hmm. being very honest. They're both trying to sort of like tiptoe around the issue, which ends up causing more problems, I think. Mm -hmm. Because if Alan had, number one, if Alan had just said to Corey, hey, here's the DMV plans, he would have been like, oh yeah, Corey probably would have loved that. Like. Yeah. truthfully because they do have a good relationship um but that didn't happen he just assumed 
it would be that way. And obviously it wasn't. And then for Corey to assume that he could just have the keys and Alan then assumed that he meant to drive him around. All of the, all of this is just assumptions made incorrectly that were bad and caused conflict. So sometimes whenever we're talking about the episodes, uh, there are moments where the lesson is already just said in the episode. Um, and this is exactly my note about what I thought this lesson was. So, Oops, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, we're good. I figured it would happen because it's literally the discussion of the episode. Because yeah, that's true. They're all of my thoughts as well. But yeah, you bet. This is immediately at the beginning. <laughs> it's right there. Um, okay, so the next scene, we are in the backyard. Corey is sitting on the back deck. Morgan drives by in one of those little electric mini cars. Did you have one of these? I didn't, but I always had friends that did, and I thought that they were so cool. <laughs> I had one when I was like, I think four or five, and it was def- it was like a white and pink Barbie one, and it was very fun, and then it broke pretty quickly, and it was just like a very expensive paperweight that was ginormous. Yeah, I had one of those, uh, not the electric ones, but the red and yellow top cars oh, that you yeah, yeah, use yeah. with your feet. Those Fisher, Fisher Price? The Fisher Price ones, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are fun, though. Those are great. Anyway, Morgan drives by in one of those and says, I'm Corey. I'm 16, and I'm going to Atlantic City to see an R-rated movie. <laughs> she, like, cackles, and Corey gets up and says, here, Morgan, let me help you make the matinee. He shoves the car really hard. <laughs> She goes flying and screams, Daddy, as Alan walks up and says, wow, look at her go. And they both just watch for a second. This is one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> it's like moments. It's so funny. And it's it was one that was like in the trailer um, a lot growing up. And so it's it's very fun to like see it again. It, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. So Alan walks up. Corey curtly says, hi. And Alan replies, hi. Um, look, I know I told you a couple of hours, but uh, one thing led to another. And you know how it is. Corey's like, actually, no. Having never actually had the car, I don't know how it is. How is it? Alan says, well, look, here are the keys. The car is yours. Go do what you want to do. Corey sits for a sec and then follows him inside. See, actually, Dad, what I wanted to do was go on a road trip with Sean and Topanga, who waited here for five hours and then realized they had lives and went home. Alan, without looking at him, says, fine, go pick him up, take him for a drive. Corey says, fine, I will. He starts to head out, and Alan says, just make sure you're back in time for your birthday dinner. Corey's like, wait a minute. No, there was nothing ever mentioned about a birthday dinner. Alan's like, Corey, why would I have to mention it? We've had dinner on your birthday every year since you've been alive. Corey says, but I've never been alive with a license, Dad, so this year, road trip. Alan says, so we'll see you at Chubby's in 45 minutes. Corey goes, 45? That's barely even worth it. Alan says, fine, give me the keys. Corey says, fine, take them, and gives them back. Alan leaves the kitchen, and Corey sits down, frustrated at the table. Eric has come in during this argument and says, aw, what's the matter, birthday brother? Something got you terribly, terribly sad. Corey asks if when he was 16, did dad still treat him like he was six? Eric says, no, he weirded out on me a little bit because I got my license and made him feel old, and he went out and bought a cemetery plot and everything, but betcha it's not nearly as bad as he's treating you. Corey replies, because he likes you better. And Eric confirms, yep, he does, he does. Well, that and he still had you around. Corey says, well, he's still got Morgan. Eric says, girl, you're his last son, son. But now you're old enough to drive away and leave him alone with Morgan, who goes to Corey finishes art class. Eric sees Morgan coming down the stairs in a leotard and a tutu and adds, and, and Corey finishes again, ballet. Eric says, yep, the only reason you're not cruising down that turnpike right now is because Morgan's his first daughter and not his third son, son. They both look at Morgan, who is drinking a juice box. She looks back at them and goes, what? (laughs) 
just like very quietly. We flip transition to Corey trying to teach Morgan, still in her tutu, football in the living room. She doesn't get it and he starts yelling at her about it, which she says, stop yelling or I'm going to go upstairs to play with Barbie and Skipper. He says, fine, try these on. Puts a boxing glove on her, which she calls a boxing mitten and says she doesn't know how they work. He corrects her and says, they don't work, just hit me. She punches him and he dramatically falls over the back of the couch. From there, we hear him say, now we're getting somewhere. And she says, fine, I'm glad you're happy. I have to go change in my party dress for your party. From the floor, he says, no dress, wear pants, keep the helmet on and call a doctor. We have another flip transition, but the scene is getting very long, so we'll call it there. Yeah. Um, going back to the beginning, her Morgan getting flung in the car was very out of nowhere, and I loved it. <laughs> like, it was so funny because she goes so fast. <laughs> she really does. Um, just seemingly at the audience. Uh, and I, I just want to know what the other side of that was like that <laughs> <laughs> wasn't on camera. Like, who they had to catch her and everything. Um, and I just think I'm that, that would realizing. be funny. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is hilarious and it's really great. I'm realizing that that happened and then somehow she ends up back in the house in a tutu and comes down the stairs for yeah. them to be like, it's Morgan. Like fully in her ballerina outfit yeah. to go to class. It's It was so, f- I, I remember I noted that as well because I was like, this is the fastest little change that she had to do to then come down and be she like, what? She sprinted back to the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't look like she's exhausted at all is just no she didn't even have that experience with the car no (laughs) that never happened what what do you mean what do you mean yeah i think this scene is kind of again going along with the lesson both of them are just assuming that the other knows what is happening or what they're feeling and thinking what they want alan has every right to just take his time with the car too because again it's their family car car right now um and he has stuff to do because he is an adult and mm-hmm. has to get stuff done. I get the frustration that Corey had, but at the same time, I was like, you, you're you also trying to go on a road trip out of the state on your first day of being 16 with the family car. I was like, that's a lot to put on your dad. Yeah. But also, Alan just assuming that Corey knew about the dinner and everything is also, like, I know that it's been happening every single year, but you didn't tell him that. And yeah. he's been excited to like go out and actually do stuff. So it's just constantly conflicting with each other. And it's it's a bummer whenever they are fighting in this way. But it's totally real. <laughs> it's so real. It's so real. I think, too, it's very interesting to see the points of friction within this family often come when the kids are sort of trying to assert their independence in a way that makes the parents feel a certain way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and even thinking about future stuff, that tends to be the case as well. Um, but I find it really interesting, like the same situation with Eric when he was working at the TV station. He was like, I'm 18, I'm an adult. Like, it's the same sort of friction that he had with his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just find that fascinating to think about now as I also consider future episodes. <laughs> I will say uh, my final note on this is a second trivia fact, which is whenever they're in the living room and uh, Corey's trying to teach Morgan football and boxing. And when he gives her the gloves, she calls it the boxing mitten, which is a funny joke. However, it's what Corey also referred to his father's silver gloves uh, in kid gloves. So, Oh, my God. I forgot about that. That's that continuity coming back up. (laughs) <laughs> it's like sometimes the continuity is really good and sometimes it's terrible and there's no in between. <laughs> and then everybody tries to connect it of like, no, 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 yeah. wait, they did mean it, but 
<laughs> oh, that's so fun. Um, okay, so continuing the scene, we are now at Chubby's. We're at the birthday dinner, and Sean says to Corey, like in a whisper, I don't want you to think I'm not having a dandy time here at Chubby's, where we always go because we can walk here, but could we just do the cake thing and then hit the open road? Topanga leans over and says, will you stop telling Corey to ditch his own party? And you, to Corey, put a smile on your face and behave yourself. Alan then leans over to the conversation and says, guys, we rented the room. You don't have to whisper. <laughs> Corey apologizes and says, thank you guys for the party. It's really nice, but there's this movie we're trying to make. Alan asks what movie, and Corey says, 101 Dalmatians, which is very funny to think <laughs> about now <laughs> because that movie probably had just come out. <laughs> and also it's Disney product placement. Um, very Sean tells him, <laughs> Yeah. Sean tells him to finally grow up, and then to Alan says, we're going to see the new Van Damme movie. Alan's like, wouldn't that be a rated R movie? And... Corey's like, Dad, come on. I'm 16. I'm not a little kid anymore. The server comes up and gives him another clown burger. I told him it was your birthday, so they threw in an extra hat. Corey woohoos excitedly and then says, I mean, woohoo. And Alan says, Corey, I understand you're 16, and yet you have to be 17 to get in without an adult. Corey says, fine, no movie. Alan says, thank you. And Sean's like, no biggie. There's got to be tons of stuff we can do in Atlantic City. Let's hit those tables, huh? Corey says to Sean, you really don't want to do anything at all, do you? And Alan's like, you want to sneak into an R-rated film in another state? I'm not just going to give you my blessing. Amy tries to de-escalate with Alan. It's his birthday. And Corey's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I wasn't asking for your blessing here. I just want to go somewhere with my friends. Amy, again, Corey, this is your father. Alan says, you think because you got a license, you can do whatever you want. Corey butts, no, I just want to go somewhere with my friends. I don't, co- I don't care where I go. I just want to go. Alan starts, I tell you what. You want to take a road trip? You want to go off with your friends? That's the first adult decision you're going to make. Corey confirms, and Alan looks at him for a beat and then says, fine. He takes the keys out of his pocket, puts them on the table, and says, there you go, pal. Corey looks very angry. He shakes his head, but takes the keys and says, come on, let's go. The trio gets up from the table. Topanga adds before she leaves, I don't know. I mean, part of me knows I shouldn't get in that car with them, but the other part of me, which isn't sensible or mature at all, wants to get in that car with them and go auga. Thank you for your attention at this very difficult time. She <laughs> leaves and Amy says, you are going to go after them, aren't you? And Alan says, no, Amy, I'm not. Eric then comes in with a car-shaped cake with a lot of candles singing a birthday jingle. He is like clearly making up. It's very silly. Uh, he sees they're gone and says, I missed something, didn't I? And that is the end of the scene. Oh, man. Yeah, this this entire scene, I was just thinking, I remember thinking that I was in, like such an adult at 16. Yeah. And I don't know what you did when you turned 16. Um. I I spent my day, I went to the DMV with my mom, which this was very funny because I was like, yeah, I, I, I did this. She came with me because I couldn't go by myself. Like, that's mm-hmm. not how it worked. And I had taken my test previously. Like, they, they said that they did the test, like, the day of, which I think is also buck wild. Um, yeah. I don't know what you did, but I did my test before, uh, went to the DMV, like, a week or two after to get my license whenever I turned 16 and then I got a donut with my mom next door and then whenever I came back they let me have the car to then go pick up my friends and like we went to McDonald's and that was my birthday like yeah <laughs> I did stuff later that night but they kind of because I had done like that first step then it was like okay you can have it for a couple hours and mm. that's just a time where this entire scene whenever they're just like getting mad about it like two with but like also at each other i'm like just have like a compromise like (laughs) that's all you have to do because if Corey just like relaxed with this dinner first of all they're throwing him a birthday party just food and then this cake that he didn't even know and is really sweet but then i was like and then if alan if he does this little bit maybe just let him take the car but not like out of the state like i don't know it was 
there's so many things that I wish I could just like go into the TV and be like, stop it, stop it, <laughs> just shake them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really interesting, I think, because the, the reasons that they are both mad don't even really have specifically to do with the car itself. It's just their assumptions right? of like what they want to be doing. Yeah. On, on and it's Corey's also birthday. like, yeah, Eric or uh, Corey wants to be treated like an adult because he's 16. And Alan is like mentally bumping up against the fact that like Corey is growing up and that's making him feel weird. And like, that's literally it. (laughs) They're just like (laughs) using the car to like deflect from their actual feelings about what's actually happening. Um, I was trying to think of what I did for my 16th birthday. Like my parents didn't um, celebrate birthdays, so I definitely didn't have like a party or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And also I said earlier that I was turning 16 the summer or the fall of my sophomore year. It was the fall of my junior year, but like I would have had to wait to take driver's ed until I was basically already 16 Mm -hmm. because of where my birthday was. And so that's why I took driver's ed early. Mm -hmm. Me too. (laughs) And then, yeah. And then I ended up having to take it late anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, And so um, I think when I, I went to go take my driver's test, I was already 16, but I had to be delayed because I broke my ankle. Um, And so when I went to go take it, I had to take a physical sit down test. Mm-hmm. at the office uh, the dmv the office the dmv and then <laughs> um and then i went and took like the actual physical driving test i remember the one like actual mistake i was so scared they were going to make me parallel park which i to this day i cannot do and they didn't thank god um wow, they made me do wild. a three-point turn but they didn't make me parallel park which was fine um but i remember the like one mistake i made was like right at the beginning and it wasn't even like a huge mistake it was very fine but i got in the left lane which ended up being a turning lane but i couldn't tell for a minute and she so the driving instructor he was like um what do you notice about all of these cars in this lane that we're in? And they all had turn signals on. And he was, and that's why I said, and he was like, so, and I was like, oh, so we're in the turn lane, but we need to go straight. So then I like did the thing where I looked over and I turned, turned my signal on and then I merged into the correct lane. Um, and that's like the only like quote unquote mistake that I made on my test. Uh, and then I passed and it was great. Um, I don't remember. I didn't have a car though, because my stepdad was getting a new quote unquote new car. Um, and so I didn't have, like I didn't do anything immediately when I turned 16. I just like had the ability to like use my mom's car sometimes. If mm-hmm. I wanted to go somewhere with my friends until I got my car, which I think was like the winter of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my DMV experience. I don't remember if I did anything special on the day. I don't think I did. You mentioned the parallel parking and the driver's test. I did the driver's test perfectly. The last thing that they had us do was parallel park and I hit one cone uh, like the last thing that I yeah. had hit and I was so like I freaked out that they were not going to pass me even though like yeah. I did everything else right I just hit the one cone and I was like are you kidding me like this is gonna suck I do not want to retake this I'm gonna be so nervous and of course you have they to wait me. too to retake it you yeah, can't but, retake it immediately of course they passed me the guy was like you hit the one cone like it's fine yeah. um and to this day I have never I get parallel parking it's like my superpower. I've done it every single time, right, correctly, the first time. Like, wow. never hit anybody. Knock on wood. I'm always too far out. <laughs> I'm always just, like, sticking out too much. I get it on the first go every single time. And I feel like that's just, they did it the one time, and then I was like, never again. Yeah. <laughs> never again yeah. will I suck at this. Um, I can do it. I just don't do it very well, and it does take me a minute. And <laughs> But fortunately, I live in a city where I don't have to drive. So I don't own a car. So I very rarely need to parallel park. It's really 
very rarely an issue, um, which is great for me personally and emotionally because <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah. I think quickly going back to the scene, I love that Topanga being the little voice of reason that she is, is also like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do here. Like, and then yeah. leaves. I feel very conflicted, but I am going to do the thing where I go with my friends. <laughs> yeah. It's very on brand for her to be like, yeah. I don't want to make you feel bad, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to be responsible, but I'm not going to. <laughs> And I think that Eric is an absolute dork um, with the song. And I love the fact that they got him a cute cart cake uh, yeah. that he will never see. He will never see that cake. Maybe they'll bring it home. Maybe. I'm sure they paid for it. So it's probably their cake to keep. Um, so the next scene, we are in the car. Corey looks very tense and is driving and says, here we are driving down the open road. Just me, my Topanga and my Sean and a big full moon right behind us. Topanga tells him that those are headlights. We get a horn honk and Corey waves his arm out the window and says, come around me. Come around me, please. <laughs> Sean asks him to drive faster because there's like 20 cars jammed up behind them. And Corey says, I happen to be cruising out. What's it say? I can't look down or we'll crash. Topanga says, 18 miles an hour. Corey says, I'm up to 18. I hope this thing has airbags. We hear a bell and Sean says, Corey, a bicycle just passed you. Corey <laughs> does the come around me, please thing again. And Sean's like, no, it already, Ugh. and thinks better of it, gives up. Corey says, fine, fine. I'll go faster. How much farther to Atlantic City? Sean's like, what's the difference? We're all going to die here. <laughs> Topanga says, speaking of that, I think we should call your folks and let them know we're okay. Corey says, forget it. I'm not calling my dad, okay? Kids have to call. That's just what my dad expects his little kid to do. Topanga is confused. You and your dad have always gotten along great. And Corey's like, yeah, because I've always been safe and dependable Corey. Well, tonight, a new Corey is born. Dark, wild Corey, built for speed. We hear the car accelerate and he starts counting the miles per hour and goes up to 26. Look at me, I'm breaking the law. Of course, we then hear police sirens behind them and he says, well, we all saw that coming. Flip transition to a cop walking them into an empty courtroom. Corey says, listen, with all due respect, Officer Dibble, I was on a country road going 26 miles an hour. Dibble replies, in a 25-mile-per-hour zone, son. Sean's like, forget it, Corey. It's a stinking speed trap. Topanga tells him to call his dad, and he says, no way. So the cop goes, then I guess you'll see the judge. Corey's like, the judge? One mile over, and you call in the judge? Don't you people have anything better to do in this town? Dibble says, it's not a town. It's a speed trap. You can avoid a trial altogether by just paying the fine. It's $200. Corey is shocked. For one mile over the speed limit? Cop says again, it's a speed trap. Is this not getting through to you? He walks away and Topanga says, call your dad. Corey's like, no way am I calling my dad. Is this not getting through to you? Corey then goes to a defendant's table, question mark, as Sean and Topanga go sit in the gallery. They all sit down and then a cop immediately yell, the cop immediately yells, all rise. So they stand up again, like very abruptly. The cop announces Judge Lamb, who Corey's like, oh, I think I'll take my chances. And then a very large, imposing judge walks in. Corey's face falls. And when the judge gets to the stand, he says, bring him up here. <laughs> Dibble escorts Corey to the stand. And that's the end of the scene. All right. A lot happening in these two scenes. When he was going so slow on the highway, I was like, you're not even ready to be driving it. My guy, you took your test today. The thing that I was also realizing too, like maybe your dad wanted to do everything with you because he would be there to help you like while you're driving to and from different places. Yeah. It's a lot to go from not driving to then driving with friends and like just driving not on having- an interstate. Yeah. With no in between. Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, okay, this makes absolute sense because it's terrifying to go on the highway as well uh, mm. when you've never really done it before. I cannot imagine getting pulled over on my birthday. That would oh also my suck. God. And the fact that ACAB, you know. All cops 
are bastards. <laughs> it's literally like this. He was so upfront about the fact like this is yeah. a speed trap. It's a speed that I was trap. like, this doesn't happen in normal life. Like they won't tell you that. <laughs> yeah, they won't tell you that. And it's very funny for this guy to be like, what don't you get? This is a speed trap. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally here to ruin your life, dude. That's literally why we made it. It's designed to be hell. Like we, yeah. we get that. But trivia fact number three of this episode, which I oh love this gosh, one. I think so the many most. trivias. The judge. Okay. Yes. Played by Dan Loria, who played Fred Savage's dad on The Wonder Years. No way! Oh my God, that's so fun. That's what makes this episode even better whenever (laughs) everything else happens. Yeah. It's really fun to be like, ooh, that connection. Oh my God, that's so fun. I wonder what made them want to have him. Maybe he just like auditioned. I don't know. I f- I like probably because of the lesson if I'm being honest. Yeah, it feels very um intention. Oh, oh, it feels really intentional. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm like trying to not talk about the rest of the I know, episode. I know. Here, I just like, thought about it. <laughs> there's, there's more to this that it totally makes sense and Yeah, I love that it. actually makes a lot of sense. That's very fun. But yeah. Oh, I really like that. Oh, now I know, I'm excited right? to talk about it. I think now we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more of Wheels after this. Hello, everybody. It's Sid. Welcome to the mid-roll, the spot where we do announcements, featured ads, and anything else that we want to talk about. Let's keep this mid-roll short and sweet because this episode is actually kind of long. Uh, So first things first, if you like our show and any of the others on the network, please consider backing us at patreon.com slash the scavengers network. For just $2 a month, you can get access to hours and hours of bonus content, and every donation helps support us and the network. I believe we say this at the end of this week's episode, but Tay and I were recently on an episode of a podcast called Timeline Scavengers, a podcast that is assembling the Marvel Cinematic Universe in order. Uh, We did an episode recently about the TV show Agent Carter, a specific half of an episode. And if you've never seen Agent Carter, neither have I. (laughs) So... It was a fun episode to record. We are grateful to be on it. Uh, So if you're just looking for more Sid and Tay content, head on over to Timeline Scavengers and you will find our episode. All right. I told you it was going to be short and sweet. Do you have water nearby? If you don't, you should go get some and keep yourself hydrated, baby. If you need a little snack, go treat yourself because you deserve it. Thank you for joining us and let's get back to the episode. Well, Daniel, it looks like Frankenstein's Jukebox is going to be joining the Scavengers Network. I heard. It's very exciting. But it does mean we need to write an ad. Oh, you're right. Okay. Okay, I have an idea. You know how on Frankenstein's Jukebox we take two songs from a given year and pull out the things we like about them and use those aspects to make a new song? Of course. We call that new song a song promise. Well, what if we used a similar strategy with our ad? Hey, I think that's a great idea. What are some aspects of your favorite podcast ads? Hmm. Well, I like ads where the two hosts are talking to each other, pretending like they're not doing the ad. That's a good one. I like when the information about the show is presented in a way that demonstrates the concept of the show. Oh, for sure. Okay, so let's use those aspects to make an ad. Actually, wait, there's one more thing I love in a podcast ad. That's so funny because I have one more thing too. You go ahead. No, please, I insist. Same time? Same time. One, two, three. A bicycle, a bicycle horn, horn at the very end of the, end of the ad, ad to show, show that, that even though we love music and take the assignment seriously, we're also just a couple of sillies. Huh. Okay. Well, I guess we have to have that aspect. Frankenstein's Jukebox. 
the second Wednesday of every month, with song promises being released when we finish them. On the Scavengers Network. And we are back in the Matthews living room. We see footage of actual baby Ben Savage with, like, Alan Matthews commentary in the background that they just sort of, like, piped over. It sounds bad. It doesn't sound realistic at all. (laughs) (laughs) It's very funny that they tried to do it, and I like it. Um, And it serves the purpose, but it... It's the 90s. Um, so he's like calling out things like, Corey, Corey, what day is today? Turns out it's, it's his birthday um, in the video. Uh, Alan is watching some old home videos. Alan pauses the tape as Amy comes downstairs and says, I'm sure he's okay. He's like, no, I know. He's just trying to prove something to us, to me. You know, I just feel bad. Amy says, well, hey, you guys had plans. He broke them. Alan replies, yeah, but we didn't really have plans. I just assumed that he'd run in like he always did and wake me up and drag me down to the DMV like he always used to do, like he always used to run in the room and wake me up and drag me places. Amy says, when he was, he finishes younger. She continues, yeah, he was five years old. He dragged you out of bed to show you his lost tooth. Alan says, well, I missed that. And she says, Alan, he's growing up. He's not doing anything wrong. He goes, well, I'm growing up too. And Amy adds, and you're not doing anything wrong either. She kisses him on the cheek as Morgan comes down to the landing and says, hey, mom, you going to help me do my hair or what? Alan stands and suggests that he help Morgan with her hair. She goes, are you kidding me? He sits back down and says, yes, I am. And Amy kisses him again on the cheek as she heads upstairs and Alan starts to tape again. And that's the end of the scene. Okay. The dubs on the videos are very bad. However, the actual home videos of Ben are extremely cute. And very cute videos. <laughs> because I'm already really surprised seen... that they like use actual videos of him. Yeah. Instead of just like videos that they made. But it's I, very cool. Yeah, it adds to it a little bit more just to see him very small and, you know, Alan reflecting on it. We've already seen Ben very young. Like, they Mm -hmm. started it when they were really small. The fact that they took it back even younger of just, hey, he's a, like, two-year-old, three-year-old kid in these videos is so sweet. But I like this moment because Alan's feelings are totally valid on it of just, I miss everything of him being kid too. And like growing up does happen faster than we all think it does. But I love that this is the first time where he admits of like, well, we didn't actually have that plan. Like we didn't talk about it. It makes sense that he's upset, but also I'm upset. It's like, yeah, both are true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Both are Um, true. Both can be true. And I think not being a parent to like, I can't imagine what it's like to be on that side of life because you're right in the fact that they keep like any time that they say like, I'm an adult now, it's like the contention in their family. Yeah. But it's like you see this small being that you've raised then just now getting to this point where they can be independent of you. And I just can't imagine what that's like. To be like, okay, go off on your own and like be fully trusting of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of, I hate kids and will never have them, but I've heard a lot of people talk about having kids as like taking your heart out of your chest and like having it grow legs and walk around the world. Um, And uh, just like, that sounds insane. (laughs) That sounds terrifying (laughs) and um, insane. And I simply cannot uh, fathom that level of just like care to have for like a human being um, that you have like watched grow from a small age, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And to just like feel okay to let them go like and do, you know, the things that they truthfully need to do to like grow up and learn and things like that. Um, But know that like you cannot protect them from everything when all you want to do is protect them from everything is like, I just, I simply cannot fathom it. Um, And so to be acting this right um Mm -hmm. 
William Russ is doing a really great job. Uh, it, it's it's very fun to watch him sort of like really think like now that he's like got some space, he's cooled down a little bit. He's reminiscing on like when his kid was a kid, a physical small child. Um, and he's got the feeling of like, you know, I understand that like neither of us have really done anything wrong here. We're just sort of bumping heads because of how life is and like that's life. And mm-hmm. I just have to figure out how to deal with that now. Um, it's very fun. It's very interesting. It's very well done. Yeah. I remember, like, whenever I moved to college, I remember that being a big send-off. And yeah. the the thing that you're talking about with the heart, like, I remember hearing that whenever I moved in because my mom especially got extremely emotional about it, the fact that I Mine was just going to be gone. and. Yeah. Uh, just dropping me off and like saying goodbye and then it hit me like later on and I was upset even though the entire time I was like yeah come on go because I was ready to just like be on my own for the first time ever but yeah I like the older that I get the more I'm also thinking about my parents uh feelings and (laughs) like it's (laughs) it's strange because I remember thinking the entire time growing up like having these feelings of like I'm trying to be independent like why won't you let me you don't get it it's like no they've They've also lived, which I never used to think when I was a kid, because you just see your right. parents as parents and not like yeah. them being young or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. And so then like the more that I've also learned about my parents, the more I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> You've also had kind of crazy lives. And yeah. like I get it now, whenever you're like, Hey, please think about this and be careful, or like they were just trying to like help me, but you don't think about that whenever you're a kid. Yeah. So it's it's nuts. I like his representation of this too. Yeah. Makes you think. <laughs> Makes you think. So the next scene, we are in the Matthews backyard. Alan has moved to from sitting pensively in the living room to sitting pensively on the deck. Uh, he's holding a football for some reason. And Feeney comes out of his um, house and over to their yard saying, okay, I've got one thing to tell you that's going to make you feel real good. And then I've got another thing that's going to scare the hell out of you. Which would you like first? Alan says, feel good. Feeney sits on the armrest and says, ultimately, the reason that I never had a son is because the sheer weight of responsibility for another human life is so enormous, so daunting, that I genuinely didn't know if I was up to it. Same, Mr. Feeney. Um, (laughs) Alan replies, oh, come on, you're a teacher. Your whole life's about kids. Feeney says, no, no, my job is about kids. My life is my own, unlike yours, which hasn't been your own since the day Eric was born. Alan laughs a little. What are you saying? I'm a hostage? Feeney says, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) You're a hostage to extreme emotional joys and disappointments, which your children will bring you for as long as you live. Alan says, one day you're putting on training wheels. The next day you're teaching them to drive. Of course, the first thing they want to do is drive away from you. Feeney agrees, and Alan finishes, you're right. Scares the hell out of me. So now, tell me the part that makes you feel good. Feeney goes, hmm, and looks away. <laughs> Alan's like, what? And Feeney says, that was the good part. Alan's like, where? Feeney says, you know, the emotional joys. You had children, and I didn't, and how lucky you are. And emotional joys. And joys. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> Sorry, this is, it's like a, also a very serious scene, but it's so funny at the same time. <laughs> Alan asks, how bad is it, George? Petey says, I just got off the phone with Corey. Um, Alan's like, is he okay? And, and Corey's like, he, Corey, fuck, I didn't write this part down. So I'm just going to say yeah, the words good. that I put that on my paper and not the ones that are in my head. Alan asks, how bad is it, George? And Feeney says, I just had a phone call from Corey. He's fine. It's nothing like that. Alan's like, good, good. Feeney finishes, he's on trial. Alan's confused face is how we end the scene. Man, I like this scene a lot for multiple reasons. I like Feeney trying to help in this instance. (laughs) And it's really funny the way that he even does the, "Mm." (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's fun to see him just having character. Yeah. Having like comedic beats is really great. Yeah. And I, I do love what he said. Um, and I think it's great because he is one of the most influential people that is in this show um, mm-hmm. and very impressionable among the kids. And I love that he is also this perfect representation of somebody that you can have a lot of good things in your life and also not have kids because yeah. oh how God, he yes. says it, his job is about his kids, but his life is his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've not had kids. I didn't want to have kids and that's all fine. And look at the impact that he still has in his life. And it's not like Alan is saying, oh, but you should have had kids. Like he even yeah. says like, well, I mean, you work with kids. He's like, yeah, like that's my job. Yeah. I don't have to have kids. And he like doesn't keep pushing back on it. And I love that. Like they just kind of left it at that. <laughs> I'm going to cry. That's so true. I love that so much. I'm literally going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. I never even thought about that. Um, and it, oh, I love that so much. <laughs> My God. But it, it's it's so true, though, because then he's like, but then with you, it's like your life has not been your own. You decided to have kids, which is all fine, too. Mm-hmm. They could, Everybody could just coexist like that. It'd be great. You don't have to tell each other what to do with kids or without kids and it's true like as soon as eric was born and then they had the other two like yeah you're gonna be thinking all the time about them and Mm -hmm. what they do and just like being with them and like there are awesome things about parenting but like there's also really bad things that come with parenting and like that's just how it is yeah so i i like this whole scene a lot but also the fact that Corey called feeny for help like i know i mean adorable he should have called his parents but also like he called feeny (laughs) he called feeny i feel like on some level he called feeny because he knew feeny would tell his parents because there's no universe in which feeny just like doesn't immediately go over (laughs) keeps it on his house keeps it to himself (laughs) yeah there's no universe in which he keeps it to himself like obviously he's gonna tell his parents so i think on some subconscious level that was Corey being like i need my dad's help but i don't want to ask for help because i want to feel like an adult and so he called feeny this is so cute i love that so much yeah, I I I'm just so shook by that notion. I think too there's there's probably a big part of it that I feel like as women we get it a lot worse of like, oh, you don't want to have kids? Like men don't really get that. Like it's fine if men want to like focus their lives on career, right? But women yeah, don't for have sure. that luxury. And so I like and also the fact that like Feeny is old, so he's like definitely not having kids now. <laughs> I love how open he is about it, though. Like, yeah. that's a reason why I didn't have kids. And yeah. that's just that's like, that's so part of it. to say. Yeah. Like, I didn't think that I was up to the challenges of having a child. Like, I didn't think that I had the ability to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And like, to be that honest about it and be like, and you did. And that's brave. Um, it's just really lovely. I cannot. I mean, same. Truly same, Jeannie. <laughs> Ugh. Man, that's such a good point. I, can, I love that so much. Um, okay, the next scene. The, we are back in the courtroom. The cop is, I guess, testifying that he caught Corey going over the speed limit. Corey says, one mile over. And the judge says, the law is the law, boy. And we obey the law in my courtroom. And if you speak out of turn again, I'll hang you. And he holds up a noose. It's, um, it's supposed to be a joke. It's fucking weird. <laughs> it's not a good, I don't like it, no. personally. <laughs> also, the noose is too small. <laughs> it would have been around his neck 
I don't know, man. Everything about this courtroom scene is just buck wild. It and is this kind wild. Of, this kind of kicks it off. Yeah. It is both whack and wild. Um, <laughs> so he holds up the news. Corey asks, you would hang me on my birthday? And Judge Lamb goes, it's your birthday under oath. Corey's like, under oath, your honor. Lamb bangs his gavel and asks, you want a dog or a hat? Corey's like, what? And Lamb says, hey, how about a sword? And he has like one of those... Like it's not even a tank. It's just like on his desk, but it's one of those little automatic air machines that you blow up a balloon on. He immediately blows up a balloon on a nearby air tank. He makes him a balloon sword, hands it to Corey, who says, wow, cool. Look what I got to Sean, who has now walked up. And Sean's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Sidebar, your honor. Lamb grants it. And Sean's like, Corey, the first thing I learned on the street is any judge who spontaneously makes you balloon toys will at the end of the day actually hang you. Corey replies, it's my sword and I'm not sharing it. (laughs) Judge then asks Corey what brings them all the way out there. Corey says, I wanted to drive. They said I could drive, so I just drove. But my dad refuses to accept that I'm not his little kid anymore. You know, he wants to keep me at home, watch games, play football. So I just got my friends. I got the keys and drove. I feel I did right. Topanga then approaches the bench as Corey has and introduces herself and says she can pay Corey's fine if he'll just tell her where an ATM is. Lamb and the cop laugh and Lamb says, there's no ATM. You're in the middle of nowhere. And she says, oh, okay. Well, in that case, all I can say is... um. Corey is a very nice boy who never hurt anybody. If you do anything to him on his first day of driving, then I just think that you are a mean, mean. He bangs the gavel to interrupt her and says, dog or hat? And she asks, can it be a princess hat? And he says, you got it. And makes her a balloon hat, which she excitedly puts on her head and then goes and sits back down. You can definitely hear what is definitely a black woman in the audience yell, you go girl. And that's the funniest <laughs> thing about this moment. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. That's great. It's so funny. I heard it and I was like, did I just? And I rewound to hear it again. And she's like, you go, girl. And I'm like, I love everything. (laughs) This is an amazing moment. Imagine Um, being immortalized in that way at a point in the world. And say, listen, I went to this episode uh, taping. And if my voice is here, then that's awesome. (laughs) It is forever. (laughs) I hope she's thriving. I hope she's living a wonderful, beautiful life. (laughs) Alan then walks into the courtroom behind them. Lamb clocks this and says, tell you what I'm going to do, son. I'm going to drop all the charges right now. If you take this quarter and go to that phone there and call your dad and tell him you were wrong. Corey thinks and says, no. And Sean's like, Corey, he continues, I'm sorry, but I don't believe I'm wrong. Alan says, well, I don't believe I'm wrong either, Corey. Corey turns and says, you didn't have to come here, dad. Alan beckons him over and says, George Feeney told me you called. You should have called me. Corey's like, why? So you could come to the rescue again, prove once again what a helpless little kid I am? Alan says, Corey, you are my son. You will always be my son, whether you're six or 60, and your problem is my problem. I'm always going to be there for you. Now, that's never going to change. Corey says, I just want you to treat me like someone who can handle his own problems, dad. I want you to treat me like an adult. Lamb bangs the gavel and says he's heard enough and is ready to pronounce sentencing. He tells them both to approach the bench. They do, and he sentences Corey to two years. Corey's like, what? And Lamb continues, today is your 16th birthday, son. That means you have two years more of being a kid. Now, I know that seems like hard labor when you have a license in your hand, but from what I can surmise of your home life, you're luckier, Corey, than most who appear before me. Lamb continues, and you, Dad, I sentence you to take those two years and cherish them because they go by too fast. Alan agrees, yes, they do, don't they? Lamb finishes, it's a speed trap. Alan and Corey look at each other with truly unreadable faces, and that is the end of the episode proper. That's such a good last line after <laughs> everything that he said. I know. It was he really so- he really took his his like moments here, chewed them up. They are very well done. It's it 
knowing that it was Fred Savage's TV dad made this moment so good too. But yeah, I just, I, I love that last line so much. I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I mean, obviously it's like a legit speed trap, but it's so like the way that he, the way he delivers it is really beautiful. It's, uh, this whole scene okay yeah the news thing we talked about weird as hell it's wild and the fact that he's a balloon making judge weird (laughs) truly truly chaos incarnate like he's like bangs gavel you want a dog or a hat (laughs) i I lose my mind i love that both Corey and topanga rather than question it are like i'm in (laughs) yeah they're like dope i love this be a princess hat she was so excited because like, again they're 16 and quote-unquote adults like they like to say yeah. but both of them just got so excited about freaking balloon balloons <laughs> truly truly a match made in heaven with those two they were both like this is good for me actually <laughs> i'm happy obviously i love that alan came to help and i love the whole thing about the your problem is my problem because again when you're a kid still and you think that you're an adult it's like your parents are there and trying to help still because they're like, no, either I get it, but also like, I also have to deal with this as well. And I'm trying to help you and not, you know, always reprimanding you in this way or trying to make you feel awful about it. But it's like, I am trying to help you. You clearly cannot get out of the situation. If you have a $200 fine, you have zero monies. <laughs> <laughs> but I love what the judge did. And again, because it's Dan Loria, I love the fact that he's like, listen, this is pretty lucky. These two years are going to go by fast. Like we just, you need to take a moment, realize like how quickly this is going to go. You're both going to get what you want, but this is just, it's going to happen very fast. Mm -hmm. And it was such a good way to end the episode in my opinion. I agree. Mm. I agree. I truly don't have that much to add either. I, I just feel like, especially considering like this conflict is not yet solved. Mm-hmm. In this moment, they're still like based on the way that they um, look at each other at the end, like Alan still looks extremely stern. Corey honestly looks sort of like he's thinking about this for the first time. And I think in some ways he is, whereas mm-hmm. Alan has sort of had a moment to be like, well, he's grown up and I just have to figure that out. Um, and you said earlier, like nobody's really wrong here. The conflict is that they are both dealing with change in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so for them to, for Dan, Dan Larea? Dan Larea, Dan Larea. Dan Larea. I didn't know how to say it. I, I don't know. I couldn't remember how you said it. <laughs> I um, said Larea, Dan- <laughs> but could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, that works. Um, for Dan Larea to give this speech the way that he does um, with just like so much gravitas uh, after making two balloon animals is <laughs> like really, really stunning. Um, and it is very, just like the way he delivers that last line is is super delicious. Um, I really encourage everybody to just watch, if, if nothing else, like this scene, because it's very fun. Um, so yeah, I love it. It's great. It's wonderful. It's well done. It's well written. It's well acted. Good job, everybody involved. <laughs> yeah. It's well shot. And the fact that he can see, like, the, the the judge is sitting there the entire time that they're having the little argument still about, like, hey, we are going through the same thing, and, the, like, this is just how it is. And mm-hmm. the fact that he's even, like, seeing that Alan does love him enough to also, like, come out here. To show up, yeah. And also just knowing that that was his dad. <laughs> he's like, that's your, that's your fucking dad. I yeah, call, call your dad and tell him that you're wrong. And Corey's like, No. <laughs> No, I um, won't do that. Yeah, I, it's just so good. He 
him delivering the lesson is just great. <laughs> yeah, it's really lovely. Because again, he had to do it at a different show. They've done through <laughs> this before. It's fun. <laughs> with a different savage oh man with a different savage um okay so end credits we are back in the matthews living room alan and Corey are now watching home videos of Corey together and alan says happy birthday son Corey thanks him and asks when he thinks there will be tension between them again and just so you can like get a picture of what's happening alan has his arm around Corey and is sort of just like jostling him as they talk throughout like this whole scene sort of like i don't know it's it's really weird to describe but just like sort of picture that like playful yeah it's playful um alan's like well we just got through the licensing so probably the next time we fight it'll be over your choice of college Corey says dad i'm not going to college alan goes then it'll be over the job you want to get Corey says circus cloud alan says then i guess we'll have to fight over the woman you're gonna marry <laughs> more seriously this time Corey says dad topanga and i have already run off to vegas alan yells amy and she yells back no more kids <laughs> he says to Corey, well i guess i'm stuck and Corey repeats i guess you are what are you gonna do about it bunk and then they start wrestling more dramatically it's honestly so great i don't think they expected them to get up because the shot is still framed on them where they would have been on the couch and then you just get like half of their bodies as they're like sort of fighting wrestling each other on the couch it's very cute it's a really good way to end the episode um and and that's the end that's the end of the episode <laughs> i love seeing the two of them just having a lot of fun together because yeah. I, I noted that, too, about the frame just being off for the rest of the <laughs> shot. Uh, and it did seem like they were just getting more and more into it and having fun with it. Um, yeah. But I did love the line that whenever he's like, Dad, Topanga and I have already been to Vegas. Because he does just drop he the does, playful yeah, he noise and is just like very serious. <laughs> he's like, we've already done that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. But it's a cute way to end it. Because it's like they also acknowledge the fact, hey, we're probably going to have more tiffs like this. And yeah. that's also just what's going to happen. It's nice to because hear. This is life. And boy, you're reading the world. <laughs> you are reading it. I have to go. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That should be our mission for the upcoming seasons is just incorporate the phrase of like the title of the show just somewhere in the episode. <laughs> somewhere in. Boy, you're meeting boy, that world. You're meeting that world. And today, the boy met the world. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, hey, that's the end of the episode. We have, at this point, for sure, beaten it into the ground. But what was the lesson set? Well, I got two. Um Ooh. Just the fact of growing up happens really fast and often faster than we'd like to believe or want mm -hmm. it to. So kind of cherish that. The second, don't assume that people know what you're thinking. That's just That's across the board. One. That's in any For relationship sure. that you have. <laughs> no one else knows what's going inside your head besides you. And if you don't express that, then it's going to lead to conflict that you don't want, probably. So just <laughs> probably <laughs> just let people know what you're thinking. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's really great. Um, do I have anything to add? My body was having a lot of reactions while you were talking. And so I was trying to just like keep those quiet <laughs> while also listening. Um, no, I don't think I do. I think that's great. I uh, And oh, oh, I have one. When you're 16, actually, you don't know anything. Yeah. That's not really a lesson. That's just truth. <laughs> no, it should be a but lesson. You <laughs> if you're listening to our show and you're not 16 yet. Just know that when you turn 16, that doesn't mean anything. You don't. And listen, we say this with so much love in our hearts as people who also used to be 16, as everyone who also used to be 16. Everyone has been 16 at some point, right? No. We love you. And 
<laughs> no, they haven't. We love you. We <laughs> shut up. We love you, and we know that it feels. I don't know who. I don't think we have anybody in this demographic, but it's fine. We love you, and we know that it feels really weird to feel like you're an adult and also have everybody tell you that you're a kid. But I am going to be another person telling you that you're a kid, and I promise you, it's not fun to be an adult. No. We're not telling you this because we're trying to keep something from you. We're telling you this because it sucks out here. <laughs> it is actively bad. <laughs> it's way more fun. Honestly, I think the most fun in life that I ever had was when I was in college because you have just enough freedom and just enough lack of responsibility to like really enjoy your life, mm -hmm. you know? For sure. So I would just, when you get to like, but don't, don't get me wrong, when you're... <laughs> 18 through 22, you're still an idiot, okay? I want to be so clear. You still don't know anything. But it is a little bit more fun to be a person at that age. So I guess my lesson is just like cherish not being 24 or older. Yeah. <laughs> because it's really not that fun. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> no. Am I ever? Um. Yeah. Welcome to the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Hive, and TikTok at The Lusters Pod. Uh, we share fun memes. We also share when the episodes drop. We also ask what you're nostalgic for. And this week, I was curious of what was your favorite animated movie growing up? And I got a couple responses. And I'd like to read them for you. Uh, Joe J.B. Schaefer said Lion King, of course. Oh, beautiful. Such a good one. It's a classic still. You can watch that it any is a classic. and it's still amazing. At Cal's Calzone's Friend of the Pod. Friend of the Pod. I was a big Scooby-Doo kid and growing up right in the middle of the Scooby Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two words that I didn't think would go together. And so it was really funny to read out loud. Um, Scooby Renaissance. <laughs> in the middle of the Scooby Renaissance, I have a lot to choose from. I think out of all the movies that came out around that time, I got to go with Cyber Chase. The gang gets put into a video game and have to defeat a phantom virus. Wow. Yeah, that is a good one, though, now that I'm thinking about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, and then at Jaconius said the original Transformers movie from 1986. I'd still wow. like to watch it on my birthdays. Oh, cute. To which Inspector Flora said, same. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so, yeah. That's fun. Thanks for the I think if I'm going 2D animated movie, it's probably Anastasia. Oh, that's a good one. That was probably my favorite one growing up. I was obsessed with that movie. I really, really, really loved Anastasia. And or The Lion King 2, <laughs> which I think has better songs than the first one. I'm just going to say it. It's a it's a take, but it is also a right take because have it's you not listened a wrong to the take. music? <laughs> yeah, it's it, think about it. Think about it. Go listen to the songs. Deception. Okay, think about it. Think about it. <laughs> it's such a good movie. It's really good. It's really good and very fun. Um, and if I went like 3D Pixar, Finding Nemo to this day, that's mm. still my favorite like animated movie. Um, just like in general of all time, Finding Nemo is my favorite one. I love Finding Nemo. At one point, I feel like I had that movie mostly memorized to the point where I could like quote slash watch it in my head. Um, yeah. Which has only happened with a handful of movies. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Finding Nemo for sure. Those two, Finding Nemo or Anastasia. I love that. Yeah. What are yours? If we're going 2D, 
I mean, I have to say Mulan. I watched that movie so oh, much growing up. That's a like, great one. Even to the point whenever it came out in theaters, my mom and I used to go watch it in theaters multiple times throughout the days because oh, they were $1 movies. And so we would mm. just go all the time. Yeah, um, man. And it was so good. And then we had it on VHS and everything. So I watched it Close. constantly. And then whenever I went to Disney, I got to meet Mulan as one of the characters walked around and that was like the most nerve-wracking thing I remember just because it's like you're my idol and I don't know what to do and I'm yeah I am five years old like I'm coming up to you like hi truthfully even being an adult like I went to Disneyland in 2019 and met uh Black Panther and some of the Dora Milaje and was like freaking out the whole time and I'm like I know you're just a person I know that but you're wearing the suit you don't know how much this means to me. You don't understand. <laughs> like, like, I'll never see this person again. I have like a photo with them. I don't know yeah. what they're doing with their lives. I'm sure they're doing well, but. It just, it feels really magical. When you're a kid, when you're an adult, it just feels like you have admiration for this person, this character, and you're like getting to express that to them, which you literally, they're not, a, they're not real. So there's no way for you to do that <laughs> besides meeting them in this sort of context. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I fully get that. It's beautiful and wonderful, and I love that. Uh, if we are going the 3D animated route, I do have to say Shrek 2, because that is, <laughs> I, I watched that too many times on repeat to not. like. And that came out elementary school, middle school-ish for yeah. me, but like, boy, that oh, forever. Man. <laughs> and I think the first one, too, but like, because that obviously, like, prompted everybody's love for yes, Shrek 2 and everything but like Shrek 2 is just a perfect movie do you remember the DVD version of Shrek 2 I think we've probably talked about this on the podcast it had the American Idol at the end yes yes, yes absolutely the partnership and yeah. if you picked somebody that was bad Simon would be like no I win and then he would sing my way <laughs> No, it's the best because the Shrek, the first Shrek had the karaoke dance party and you think like Mm. they can't top this. And then they're like, how about American Idol? And the fact that it was Simon and then also (laughs) singing my way. I just remember being like, what is happening? What is happening? But also it was so incredible and wonderful. It was so funny. You pick Prince Charming and he sings too sexy for my shirt. Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh my God. It's so funny. That's such a that's a great choice. That's a great choice. But Shrek Two is a perfect movie. I've said this like yeah. many times in, in multiple podcast areas. Of you have, lives, you but, have. Like, that's true. It's a perfect movie. I'm not going to argue with you, and you're right. I want one person to try to argue with me, and I will point them in like every <laughs> direction of why they are wrong. Um, my family and I just watched it over Christmas too, and all of us were like, mm, "The whole it's family. really good. It's really <laughs> fun for the whole family." No, my grandparents though, they were also like. This is amazing. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this movie's so been out funny. for like over, I think probably 10, 15 years now. It has been years. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for the submissions though. Oh yeah. Thank you. I forgot we were doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just like to talk. Um, Just chatting. My question for everybody, because it's related to this episode, I would like to know what you did for your 16th birthday. What's your oh, sweet yeah. 16 like? Did That's a anything? great one. Did you do anything? Did you get your license? Um, and as I've I've mentioned this in this uh on Twitter this past week, I, I did still put it up on Twitter, but if you would like to leave a voice message, please feel free to do that. I really do enjoy that whenever people do, and I would like to incorporate people's voices into our pod if you are comfortable with it. So 
Uh, if you go to our anchor page, anchor.fm slash lost years pod, you can hit the plus message sign and then just leave us a little clip uh, and you can answer the question or you can email. <laughs> or you can email. You can email us at the lost at gmail.com. We might read your email on the show. That was so abrupt. <laughs> it's <was> very funny. <laughs> or you can email. <laughs> you can email. You can. You can email us. You can at that address I just mentioned. You can also rate us or write a review and write a review. Do both. Don't just do one or the other because I think you can't. Um, well, you can rate us, but you can't. I'm going to start over. Uh-huh. You can rate us and write a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Good Pods, all those places, and subscribe also on all those places or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out, helps people find the show, and it's lovely. It's a nice thing to do. It's a good way to start off the new year. Let me just say, a great way to start off your new year, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to the Scavengers Network for having us on the network. You can check out other cool shows like Myth Takes and Dazed and Confused 33 and a third on www.scavengersnetwork.com. Dot com. Me and Sid were just on an episode of Time Scav. Um, I think it came out the same week last week's episode came out. So we're about two weeks out from when. But we're on the feed. We're very high up on the feed currently. So feel free to check that out. It was a fun little fun little time um, doing Time Scav. I've been on that show now, I think, four times, so I'm having a great time just (laughs) slowly taking over their podcast. Um, If you want to find us individually, you can find me at Taycrow on the entire internet, except for Twitch, where I'm twitch.tv slash it's Taycrow. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to find me on the internet, I am on Twitter at CityKid underscore 19, and also Instagram, TikTok, at (laughs) Sudsley. <laughs> I was like, where am I on the internet? What is see that's why it's easy to just be like, I have one handle and anywhere you go it's the same. I know. I just I made it when I was in high school and then mm-hmm. everything else came afterwards. And the thing is on Instagram I did have it the same as being Sid the Kid. And then when someone gave me a new nickname, I was like, that's it forever. <laughs> <laughs> so then that became all of my handles. So I And there we go. Um, we've been recording for almost two hours, so we have to go now. I really have to go. <laughs> yes, it's got places to be. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time. You are Tay. You are Sid. Just like it's always been. What else do you need to know? Goodbye, fam. Bye, fam. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.